right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to the Bizzles Daily Rebels, where every day or so I release a commentary for an episode of Star Wars Rebels, starting from the beginning. We are now on episode 5, Rise of the Old Masters, and while the two-part uh, premiere of the series, Spark of the Rebellion, is fantastic in setting up all the characters and plot elements. This is the episode that really elevates the show. Um, and it's not a coincidence that it's the first major Ezra Kanan training Jedi Force Vision uh, kind of episode. Um, because as fun as all the other characters are in the, the Rebellion as a whole, true Star Wars fans love the Jedi stuff. And this is really the start of a beautiful Padawan-Master relationship that um, I, I don't think will be topped other than maybe Rey and Luke in the new movies. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, just doing this quick extended intro because uh, today, um, actually at 12.30 a.m. today, so I stayed up and watched it on DVR, was the two-part premiere uh, called The Legacy of Mandalore, parts one and two um, of the final season four, um, where, you know, somewhat predictably, Sabine and her allies helped take back Mandalore, um, and uh, it wasn't an amazing episode. I wasn't expecting that much, just because it seemed predictable. Definitely having um, Starbuck, uh, aka Katie Sackhoff, rep- reprise her role as the voice of Bo-Katan, the sister of the Duchess Satine, a very important running plot line and series of characters in the Clone Wars, did a nice job of tying together the Clone Wars and Rebels, and she just has an amazing presence uh, with her voice, uh, does Katie Sackhoff, um, and the interaction between her and Tia Sirkar, who's you know starting to get very powerful um, as both a fighter and a leader, as Sabine Wren, um, helped keep it together. But as usual, it's the quirky bits um, that, uh, that hold these episodes together and make them so worth watching. There's Ezra spending two episodes trying to master a jetpack. He's so powerful, but he can't figure out the jetpack and it kind of becomes a metaphor for him trying to understand uh mandalorian culture um even while trying to help fight as best he can uh, against these advanced fighters and their jetpacks there's a very very loaded romantic moment via hologram between kane and, and hera in which chopper breaks the tension in true droid style by making fun of kanan um and uh, all sorts of character beats like that um and of course sabine being tortured with the resurrection of the weapon that she somewhat accidentally built for the Empire before converting to the Rebels. Um, And it's launching the season in a great way. I think as the season goes on, it's going to be incredibly darker as we get Saw Gerrera and the dirtier, nastier part of the Rebellion in addition to the Jedi stuff. Possibly some gray Jedi stuff. Is is Ezra going to move more towards the middle or towards the dark side as we're constantly being teased? But for now, enjoy Rise of the Old Masters, one of the great episodes of, of the entire series um, where they are, um, you know, uh, tricked uh, and somewhat duped into coming to save um, 
uh, Jedi Master uh, Luminara, uh, who was a somewhat key part during the Clone Wars, and if she had truly been alive, would be a great ally for them in, in these dark days. Um, but it ends up being a trap like so many things by the Empire. Um, but ultimately, it's a good thing because it makes Kanan realize that he's destined to train Ezra and he needs to embrace it. Um, and the sayings of Master Yoda are very key. So, with that little bit of extended intro, um, why don't you uh, queue up your media file DVD Blu-ray to the beginning. I'm going to count you down, and when I say go, you should hit play, and it'll line up pretty awesomely. And I hope you enjoy this. I certainly enjoyed doing it. All right. So, put some subtitles on, a little ambient sound for music and uh, background uh, sound effects and so forth. And here we go. Three, two, one, go. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to Star Wars Rebels Season 1, Rise of the Old Masters, either the fourth or fifth episode, depending on how you want to count it. This is easily the turning point of both the season and the series, for reasons we'll get into. But first, here it comes. Yeah, do or do not, there is no try. You're rolling your eyes. What does that even mean? How can I try if I don't do something? How can I do something if I don't try? Well, see... Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even understand it. This is important, you know, because Kanan gets really mad with Ezra and frustrated, but he realizes that it's him, and it's exemplified by the fact that he's using Yodaisms like, do or do not, there is no try. Uh, but, uh... He, he doesn't even understand what it means. And they understand together by the end of the episode. In fact, Ezra understands it before Kanan, as we will see, and helps teach him. And this is the beginning of the two-way relationship, and that's why one of the reasons why this is the best Padawan relationship. This is uh, like Mary with the sword in Aon, where he almost slashes her with it. <laughs> in Return of the King. You know this joke's coming, but the way Zeb delivers it is great. I think it should be a little shorter. That's you know that's one of those jokes for the adults out there. Kids think it's just making fun of Ezra for being short, but if you're older than twelve, you know it's also a joke about penis size. <laughs> this is fantastic. They're just checking at him. You know they're all standing on the top of the ship while it sort of flow, slowly flies in atmosphere. And I think one of the reasons I buy that Kanan could save him, and this is, by the way, we see this a ton in the Clone Wars, the, the Jedi in the cartoons can jump, and leap, and you know do everything at such a more extreme level than live action, which is just, again, something that you can accomplish when, when you get much so much more for your body. I love this. He's about to die, but he takes a, a minute to appreciate the beauty and smile at Sabine. Yeah. So so human is Ezra. I mean, that's what's great about Ezra, ultimately, is, like, his, his ridiculous skills, he has an unbelievable moral center, even when he's losing his way temporarily. He has a great heart, amazing empathy, he can talk to animals. He's going to be more powerful than Kanan by the end of the series, if he's not already. 
by the way, the way uh, they have... Uh, oh, but just to, to wrap up that thought, but Ezra, yeah, is still so human um, and, and relatable, I think. <laughs> okay, so look at this look at Zeb on Zeb's face. <laughs> it's like almost a longing for Ezra. I don't know. I think they have a gay, I mean, a gay thing for each other, maybe. Uh, after all of that, he almost drops to his death. Oh, there's a loth cat. They'll come back. It's Chopper still trying to kill him. But if you watch the way uh, Kanan used the force there to pull Ezra up, he was doing what Yoda does when I talk about uh, in my never-released commentaries of the original trilogy, when Yoda's pulling up the X-Wing, which is it's almost like he's playing um, a harp or, or working on a loom you know, pulling the strings of the loom, the strings of the universe, um, playing the music of the universe, which is the force. Yeah, because I'm, look, I love this. Look, mom comes in. Come here, son. What's he about to say to Kane? I always want to know. Oh, yes, Brett Spiner. Based on his voice and, and the kind of creepy painting, you sort of get the feeling from the beginning that this guy is not who he seems and it's going to be a traitor. Especially after this whole thing turns out to be a lie. I almost get some killed. I wish they had kept him around longer. Just for Brett Spiner, Brent Spiner's amazing voice, which is so recognizable, but... You know, he, he's doing the lore side rather than the data side, the, the evil side. That's great. Brett Spiner is actually really old. Like, uh, you know, like Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner was much older in the 90s and next generation than you'd think. He was already well into his 40s, I believe. Yeah, he's already trying to pawn Ezra off. And this was an important episode, too, to where you really were on Ezra's side and were getting frustrated with Kanan. You know, if you were frustrated with Kanan's frustration. He's barely tried with Ezra. I mean, Ezra's just starting to feel like this is his family, and now that the father figure's abandoning him, or saying he will. <laughs> Chopper's laughing at his misfortune. Oh, it's great. I think also by making Chopper in some way the darkest of the crew, in terms of you're not really sure where, you know where his head or his heart's at any moment. And he seems to want to actively try and kill them at times. Again, as for the adults out there, you know, because if you do it with one of the other characters, then it really becomes dark. Then it's like Jane and Firefly, where you're honestly scared if Jane's going to sell them all out at some point. Chopper doesn't really have the ability to do that. And in the end, he does come through, but, you know, it's... uh. Again, I talk about, I think in the first episode, I talk about how Rebels try some stuff out before we see it in the new movies. Uh, and I think there's some Chopper in K2SO, for sure, in Rogue One. Even though K2 does sacrifice in the end, he does it for Cassian, not for Jin. And, and as he openly says, he's going to be there for Jin because Cassian told him he has to. <laughs> 
God, I wish we had more movies with the Rogue One crew. It just wasn't enough time to get to know those characters. They were so fantastic. Great actors. That's the thing, though, with Star Wars. That's what you can do, you know? And we'll see this in Han Solo with Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. It's like, if you have good writing and good directing, and it's Star Wars, and you cast awesome multidimensional actors, then you can get away with some occasional wooden dialogue or cliched plot points. (laughs) Zeb loosening up the shoulders. (laughs) What I like about the way the, the the various people move, and by the way, people refers to all sentient beings. That that's how I think of it. And that's how what I'm gonna do. So when I when I talk about the humans, I'll talk about the humans. Oh, this is great. This is where he's like, wait here, and Ezra keeps doing stuff he's not supposed to because he's trying to imitate Kanan, his his, his hero. <laughs> This is so funny. But this is a perfect example of what I was about to say, which is they they don't try and do like motion capture. They focus on things that feel real and entertaining when it comes to the movement of, of persons. <laughs> it doesn't have to be exactly like a human. <laughs> they all know now they know. Yeah. Kanan is super OP in this episode. Overpowered. <laughs> yeah, they'll see that just straight up. That's how you get away with killing in Star Wars. You throw them over a huge ledge and you don't look over the side. And so you just say, they're, they're probably dead. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, he keeps talking about his lack of focus. He's, but he's really talking about himself. Nice little bit here. It's it's amazing in a 22-minute show that you can have four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seconds of, of quiet and just movement and looks on characters' faces in an animated short, basically. So, Dave Filoni, supervising producer, big animal guy, mostly wolves, which we're going to see in a new season, but... Owls, cats, um, just loves those kind of creatures. And this is the first of, I think, three like space whales creatures that we uh, that we come across. I mean, there's one entire episode called The Call. I think it's called The Call, which is just about these giant hyperspace flying whale-like creatures. You know, I, I I don't think in the new Star Wars I'm standing right here. We know, yeah. I like I love it. You know, they 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 get in some weeded esque humor in this in this show without ever being too irreverent or or disrespectful to the tone of the material. Uh, but Filoni loves you know loves space creatures, and he, I think he's done better in Rebels than we've seen in the movies or the recent movies. I think it's very underrated in the, in the original trilogy. I don't know if it's underrated. I mean, I'm an Ewok guy, but... These look just like the ones that Ezra flies on. 
later on down the road. Anyways, I guess they're not whales, but they're, you know, big flying space creatures. Uh, it's funny that it's like a mating signal that they're attracted to. And, you know, Hera knows just what to do. She goes, okay, I could wait here and have this continue to happen, or I could fly away and have to, you know, come back just in the nick of time later, but at least I'll be alive and still have the ship. You lovebirds are attracting too much attention. Yeah. Yeah, Ezra Ezra learning how to to talk to animals and and, and use them in a non-exploitative way to help them is 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 really cool. Um but anyways, in the original trilogy, I mean, I love the Ewoks. Or I at least like them and don't have a problem with them. Uh but the giant creatures that we see occasionally in the in the original trilogy on Tatooine elsewhere. Very, very underrated. I think that's why Lucas wanted to redo the the Wampa and Empire so badly, because he had such a clear vision of a cool monster creature. We won't get into the special editions. When do I learn that? Yeah, he's Kanan's already made up his mind that Luminar is going to teach him. It's so irrational on so many levels, even if Luminar is real. But this is where the show gets super dark. They were able, the the Inquisitor was able to use her body and channel like a specter, spirit, ghost version, ghoulish version of her. Oh, she goes right back into her tomb. It's all as a trap. And that sad look in her face on the end, almost like she knows. That she's being used for the dark side is so cool. Mmm. Inquisitor. Ah, the Grand Inquisitor. So, in the first season, it's the Grand Inquisitor. And then, in season two, it's a whole bunch of still not as powerful, but still powerful Inquisitors, but there's many of them. With Vader still looming. And then season three, it's Thrawn. It's interesting that, that all of these Darksiders are unable to accomplish what Thrawn almost accomplishes in season three and may accomplish in season four. I'm a big supporter of the idea that or not supporter I'm a big fan of the notion that it's not a binary one zero when it comes to force powers in fact just the term force sensitive I actually I hate what it means like I I think being a force user and being force sensitive to should be different things like Jedi's are force sensitive and force users but based on what we've seen the literal translation of force sensitive seems to apply to characters like Chirrut and Wei 
in Rogue One, uh, he's clearly sensitive to the Force. He can sense the Force and at least passively make use of it. Alright, so we've got the Darth Maul double blade, but then it also can become like a pinwheel on steroids and, and spin around and then they can helicopter with it, which is makes no physical sense, but is, is very cool visually. Now, with their, when we do see them briefly battle Vader, we see how much stronger Vader is than these, you know, Inquisitors, Sith, Dark Side users, whatever the, whatever the Inquisitors are. Ah, Sabine special. You know, the, the fact that Kanan and even Ezra can hold their own against the Inquisitors. Although Maul, Maul takes them down with such ease. Yeah, the, the power comparisons in, in the show are awesome. So, you know, Kanan is, is almost the equal of the Inquisitor. I think at this point, like if the Inquisitors are still around, where we are right before Season 4, he could take them on. Ezra's probably there, almost there, but at this point, the Inquisitor's still a little bit more powerful than they are. Again, remember, Kanan never finished his training and hasn't really been tested, and so he has to step up his game. Here it is. Boom. This shows that he can, yeah, he can go toe-to-toe. Inquisitor's even surprised about this. Vader just destroys Ezra and Kanan very quickly if they, would they ever try to but Ahsoka can hold her own and more against her former master Anakin Skywalker aka Darth Vader but the fact that we you know when Darth Maul comes he starts he starts that episode uh, acting like an old man and ends it by just like murdering the Inquisitors with with ease. But then Kanan is able to disable Maul while blind uh, temporarily. And then Obi-Wan, of course, finishes what he started. The uh, the diamond doors here always, always a cool thing. Very Star Wars-y. You never see this in Star Trek. Because it makes no sense, but it looks cool. And there's a great thing with uh, with Ezra and uh, and Kanan down the line, where they force throw each other through the doors uh, back and forth, one to another, as they go down the hallway. <laughs> and we missed earlier, Kanan of uh, force pulled two stormtroopers and and clotheslined them in place. As, her, as the voice of the audience goes, man, Kanan, you're not messing around today. Kanan says something like, you have no idea what's at stake here, referring to Luminara. There's so few Jedis. There's no Jedi Masters as far as, as, far as he knows. Of course, you know we know as the audience that Obi-Wan and Yoda are alive at this point, and maybe some others, but they don't know that. So, Luminara, in their world, if Luminara were alive and they could rescue her, she'd be the most experienced, powerful, and important Jedi living in the galaxy. 
And that's, you know, that's a very mutant power thing, which I like with the Force, which is that, and and, and they do this, you know, with the dark side. And I think we're going to see this in the new movie with Rey and Luke, the whole gray Jedi thing, which is that the Jedi, the, the traditionalists, like Yoda and Mace Windu and the Council and everything, like, they're, they are wrong. Like, suppressing all passions and all feelings is not the way to go. It eventually causes you know, want to go to the dark side. It does limit your power. There are ways of, I mean, psychologically, you're not supposed to suppress things. You know, you're supposed to deal with them. We see in the Catholic Church what happens when you ban people from having sexual relations, for example, right? I mean, does it make you a a, a bad rabbi or imam or minister just because you're allowed to be married and have attachments to somebody? No. I mean, some Buddhist and Hindu orders prevent attachment. You know, many don't. I mean, I mean, the Kama Sutra, it's a joke in Western culture. I mean, not, not an appropriate one, but one nonetheless. But bottom line is, like, some uh, religious orders believe that, you know, sexual relations are, are, are spiritually critical. And so the Jedi are wrong. I mean, if they had never tried to force Anakin to not be with Padme, and they hadn't, you know, tried to turn him into someone he wasn't, would he have not become Darth Vader? Who knows? But it didn't help. Now, channeling anger and hatred, now that's not good. But channeling feeling, I'm hoping we're going to see with Luke and Ray, that there is a middle way. And with the Bendu and, and other creatures of the middle, uh, they do start talking about that in Rebels. And this is it. This is the lesson. I miss that line, too. Master, yeah, he's so happy. He immediately accepts Kanan's uh, olive branch. Okay, this gives me chills. This is definitely um, Field of Dreams, you know. Father and son just playing baseball. I, there's no question in my mind that this is a callback to Field of Dreams, or at least just you know dads and sons playing playing catch and to, with one another. But uh, yeah, so uh, oh, man, such a great episode. But yeah, earlier in the episode, you know, Kanan says something to to Ezra um, about you know try not to you know try to try to be on your guard or something or something. And Ezra goes, I thought there was no try. With the wry grin, and he's right. I mean, he he gets it before Kanan, and so it's not till the very end that Kanan uh, understands what do or do not. There is no try. Actually, means thank you for watching. One of my favorite episodes really gets the series going. And while there's some ups and downs, the rest of this season, this really sets up via Ahsoka and Vader and the Inquisitors and so forth, all the great Jedi stuff in season two. And I will see you for the next episode, which is entitled. Ranking ranks where Ezra goes undercover. May the force be with you. Bizzle out.